Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Lahul Hamdul Hasan Wa Thanaul Jameel Wa Ashadu An La Ilaha Illa Allah Wahdahu La Sharika Lah Wa Ashadu Anna Sayyidina Wa Nabiyyana Muhammad Sallallahu Alayhi Wa Ala Alihi Wa Ashabihi Wa Tabi'ina Lahum Bi Ihsanin Ila Yawm Al-Deen Amma Ba'd Today Insha'Allah Ta'ala we're going to start الكريم, the book um, taken from the book and uh, nuqaya and I'll explain this more inshallah ta'ala about the book and about the author inshallah ta'ala We've already taken last year a introduction into the science of Ulum al-Qur'an. We did last year to have an understanding. This year, as I said, it's going to be books. So you're going to study a book in that science. You should now have an overview. But now we're going to go into a book, inshallah ta'ala. So I'm going to speak about the book and I'm going to speak about the author and we will start straight away inshallah ta'ala. The author of this book, who is he? By the way, does everyone have the PDF sent to them? Everyone received the email of the PDF. If you didn't, those who were registering you, speak to them inshallah ta'ala to send you the uh, PDF. The PDF has the English and it also has the Arabic. So the book, inshallah ta'ala, the author of this book, At-Ta'rifu bil-Musannif, the author is Jalaluddin. His kunya, his nickname is Jalaluddin. Jalalu, Jalaluddin. His name is Abdul Rahman. His name is Abdul Rahman. Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Bakr. And he's from a place called Usyut. He's, he's from a place called what? Usyut. Usyut is a place in Egypt still called by that name it's called what Usyot. and sometimes the scholars they remove the Hamza they remove the Hamza and they say Suyot. they remove the Hamza and they place a Dhamma on the scene and so they say Suyut and some scholars they say Siyut the Kasri Seed the place is Kasra on the Seed and some place a Fatha on the Seed they say Sayut so there's three ways of saying the name without the Hamza Sayut, Suyut, Siyut and that is all after the Hamza is removed the original usage is what? 
usyut. Like in they removed the hamza min takhfif to make it easy. That's the place in Egypt that he's from. So he became known by that place. That's why the scholars they call him As-Suyuti Rahimahullah. So Suyut is a what? It's an area and a place where the Shaykh Rahimahullah was from. The Shaykh was born the year 849. 849 he was born. And he died 911 Hijriya. He died, how old was he? 62, right? 62 years of age. Rahimahullah. Suyuti, the author, as a very young baby, or very young child, who could walk, but young, his father brought him to Hafid ibn Hajar al-Asqalani. Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani. His father, when he was a young kid and he was walking, his father brought him to who? Huh? Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani. And the reason he brought him to Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani was to make dua for him. And so he brought him to him and Ibn Hajar made dua for Suyuti. Suyuti, he was from a father who was a scholar and his father was an Egyptian Arab and his, fa- his mother is Umuwalid. Umuwalid is a woman who's your slave who has children for you. So Suyuti's mother was a slave. His father owned, but she had a child for him, and Suyuti came from that. So that woman is called Umuwalid. They don't treat her like a normal slave. Suyuti has a nickname. He has a nickname that the scholars gave to him. Was, and his nickname is, they call him Ibn Kutubihi. Ibn Kutub, some scholars say. And the reason to this is because Suyuti was born inside a library. His mother gave birth in the middle of a library. And this library was owned by the father. He sent the mother to go and grab him a book. His father was a scholar. So he said to his slave girl, go and get me this book. And so she went into the library. When she wanted to get the book for him, her water broke. And she gave birth to Suyuti in the library. Suyuti's contemporary. There was one individual 
that Suyuti used to have a back and forth with. They used to write books against each other. They used to respond to each other. And he is one of the students of Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani. His name is As-Sakhawi. His name is As-Sakhawi. Are we all paying attention? Suyuti, when him and Sakhawi were going at each other, in di- different issues of the religion, they will argue. One of the issues they went back and forth on is the hadith of whether the Prophet's mother and father are going to be resurrected from their grave and the Prophet gave them shahada and they became a Muslim. Suyuti believed that hadith to be sahih. He used to believe that opinion, which is a very strange opinion. Sakhawi refuted him on that. And he refuted Su- And they used to go at each other. Because they're both from Egypt. Sakhawi is the student of Ibn Hajar al Asqalani. He's older than Suyuti. But one of the things he said to him was Suyuti said to Sakhawi, You and I are not equal. We're not equal. I was born in a library. I was what? My mother gave birth to me in the middle of a library surrounded by books. You on the other hand, Sakhawi, you realized at his old age the value of knowledge and the importance of knowledge and how evil ignorance is. And then you pursued the path of knowledge. How are we ever going to be the same? I was born amongst books. Ilm, knowledge. From childhood. I was nurtured to learn, to memorize. Whereas you, Sakhawi, you started studying when you were old. So he was born in a library, rahimahullah. And he reached a high level in memorization that it's correct to say according to the title that the scholars of hadith give he could be called a hafid suyuti he reached the level of being referred to as a hafid we call hafid the one who memorized the quran hafid is the one who knows more hadith than that which he doesn't know. Meaning, it's rare that he comes across a hadith he's never heard of. Are we all together? So you have to reach that level. It's also correct to say that Suyuti in the Islamic history there is no one who has as much books as he's wrote, he's written. He's written the most books in Islamic history. Jalaluddin al-Suyuti. So some scholars, they criticize him because they never reached that level. So they call him Hatibul Laylam. They also call him a Jamma'ah. 
a person who just compiles and gathers and they say that. But the truth is, he came with authorship. Siyoti was a writer. And scholars mention reasons why he was a writer. The biggest Islamic library that was in Egypt, there was a period of time, it was in his hands. The key to that maktab was in his hand. And so he would go in there and go through the books. So he had maraji' references and sources to author that many scholars couldn't get. Suyuti, he doesn't need anyone to write his biography. He wrote it himself. He spoke about his life. He wrote a book where he called it At-Tahadduthu Bin'amatillah Speaking about the blessings of Allah. And he talked about himself, his life, what he knows, what he doesn't know. After he wrote that book, he felt that he wanted to write his biography again. And so he wrote another book called Husnul Muhabara. Second book. He talked about his life again. Suyuti mentioned in his biography, he said, I surpassed in knowledge everyone I knew. Even my teachers, I surpassed them. Only one sheikh from my shuyukh who I couldn't pass. In fiqh, he was stronger than me. It's one of two people, if I remember correctly. It's either Zakaria Al-Ansari or Bulqini Rahimahullah. Not Sarajuddin Al-Bulqini, Alamuddin Al-Bulqini. The son of Sarajuddin Al-Bulqini. It's one of the two. That he said, I never reached his knowledge in fiqh. Everybody else, I beat them, I passed them. Whether it be in hadith, fiqh, mustalah, you name it. Rahimahullah. He traveled for knowledge. He wrote many books. From the books that he wrote is a thousand lines of poetry in the science of hadith. Mustalah al-hadith. One thousand lines of poetry. Second book he wrote. One thousand four hundred and something lines. In poetry, in Usul al Fiqh, taken from the Kitab, Jam al Jawabi' by Subki, he summarized the book, he called it Al Kawkab al Satir. He also has 1,000 lines in poetry in the science of Balagha. He called it Uqud al Jumman. He talks about the three sciences within Balagha, Ilm al-Bayan, Ilm al-Badi', Ilm al-Ma'ani. He has a noble book 
inni haditsu bil ma'thur kudurratul manthur he also rahimahullah has a book called al-itqan fi ulum al-quran one of the best books is written rahimahullah this book that we are doing right now is taken from a book called al-nuqaya so there was a book called al-nuqaya there was this book called al-nuqaya Jalaluddin al-Suyuti in this book at the beginning of his life he put inside this book 12 sciences 12 sciences when he reached 40 approximately rahimahullah he added two more and the two that he added was ilm al-tib which is medicine and Ilm al-Tashrih, I think it's called. Which is, so this is medicine and this is anatomy. Fourteen sciences together, all together. He wrote twelve science first, and then he added these two sciences after he reached these twelve sciences. He wrote it when he was twenty-six. Twenty-six years. So this book that we're doing, he wrote it when he was twenty-six. These two extra, he added it on when he was forty years of age. The kitab is called An Nuqaya. So then how many sciences are in there? 14 sciences. We are just doing one. It's the second science, which is, he called it, he called it Ilm al-Tafsir. Does that make sense to everybody? So that's what the book is called. It's called, Al-Nuqaya no, Ilm al-Tafsir min al-Nuqaya Ilm al-Tafsir taken from al-Nuqaya Because Nuqaya has 14 sciences You can't say we're studying this book Because we're not going to be going through those 14 sciences Does that make sense? Yes? No? The Kitab al-Nuqaya All of it the 14 sciences, there was a scholar who came, he made it into poetry. His name is Al-Qanna'i and Al-Qanna'i. Al-Qanna'i, rahimahullah. He made the whole kitab Al-Nuqaya in poetry. That doesn't concern us. But there is a scholar who took out Ilm al-Tafsir. And the first person to take it out, I know of, a hundred years ago, was Jamaluddin al-Qasimi. 
Jamaluddin al-Qasimi took it out and he explained it. Are we all together? But this one, Al-Mustafsir, has poetry, a good poetry. And it's called Manzumatu Zamzami. Abdul Aziz al Zamzami, he made a poetry out of the Ilm al Tafsir of the Nuqaya. Not the whole book, but just the Ilm al Tafsir. He made it into a poetic form. Meaning, this book that we're doing now, if you want to memorize it, you just get the Manzumatu Zamzami, and it's a poetry of this book that we're going to do. Are we all together? Very good. Imagine an Imam that wants to talk about anatomy. He goes into anatomy and he speaks about it. Ilm al-Tashrih, the last one, the last two that he added onto there. I mean, it shows you that the scholars, they really realize the value of knowledge in general. And Imam Shafi'i said, Fiqh is two types. The first one is Fiqh al-Nafs, which is the Deen and the Sharia. And the second one he said is Fiqh al-Badan, the body, meaning medicine and whatnot. It's a good science, medicine, and learning it. Okay. I hope everybody understood that, right? Now, has everyone understood this point? Is everything I said so far crystal clear? Okay, now I'm gonna... What did he call it? What did he call the science? Suyuti, what did he call this, this one? The class that we're gonna study today. He called it? Ilm al-Tafsir, right? So the name according to Suyuti is that it's called, it's the second subject. And it's called what? It's called Ilm al-Tafsir. Let's break the two terms. What is Ilmi and what does Tafsir mean? Okay. The word Al-Ilm is Naqid al-Jahl. So Ilm is Naqid al-Jahl. It's the opposite of what? Ignorance. And the definition that the scholars give, Wahua Idaraku Shay. Idaraku Shay. Ala Mahua Alehi Idarakan. Jazzing. So, ilm, which is knowledge, is the opposite of ignorance. Naqidul jahli. It's the opposite of ignorance. And the definition of knowledge is idrakushayi. Idrakushayi means what? Perception. Of something. 
Perception with certainty. So, perception of something, as it is, with perception that is certainty. So, somebody asks me and says to me, what is this? I say it's a white board marker. Have I perceived it? Have I got perception? Yeah, I do have a perception because I answered. Is my perception in accordance to the reality of this? Meaning, did I get it right? Did I get it right? Yes, no? Someone asked me, what is this? I said to them, it's a white board marker. I have a perception. Because I'm telling you I have a perception. Is my perception in accordance to the reality of this? Yes or no? Relative. So this is not white, white board marker to everybody. I think it's a consensus. <laughs> this is objective truth okay as it is and I am 100% sure that this is a whiteboard marker I'm not doubting it if there's no perception it's called ignorance if the perception and the reality are different it's called a compounded ignorance if there's doubt this is called shak, it's called doubt. You see, each one changes uh, it. Am I making sense? So anyways, we know what ilm means now. What does the word at-tafsir mean? What does tafsir mean? At-tafsir is at-tawdih. It's a tawdih wal bayan and it's also wal kash. And it's from the word minal fasri. Fasri. Tafsir means a tawdih. It is to clarify something. Wal bayan, to clarify something. Well, kashf to clarify something. So, tawdih, bayan, and al kashf all mean the same. It is to make something clear. Am I making sense? So, we defined ilm and a tafsir separately. Now we're going to define them together. Huh? Firstly, it means this is to make something clear. Are we all together? Is to make something apparent. Am I making sense? 
Is everyone with me? Al-Tafsir. Now we have to do it together. Now we have to define Ilm al-Tafsir together. The author is going to give it to us. If you've got the notes, what did the author say when he came to Ilm al-Tafsir? You should all have received your notes. Has everyone got the book? Huh? Inshallah ta'ala, make sure you request for the book, inshallah ta'ala. It should have been emailed to you. What does it say? Was the book emailed to everyone? Huh? Okay, inshallah. Everyone should get it by next week. What does it mean? The word tafsir? What is the definition that the author rahimahullah gave? He said, he gave the following definition. It's a science that researches. It's a ilmun. This is his definition of the science. Ilmun. Yubhathu. An ahwal. An ahwal al kitab. Al-Aziz. This, his def- this is his definition. Ilmun, a science. Yubhathu. In this science, it's researched. An ahwal, the situation of the Book of Allah Azza That's his definition. This definition that Jalaluddin al-Suyuti just gave to Ilm al-Tafsir is in, it's wrong. It's a wrong definition. Why? This is the definition of Ulum al-Quran, not the definition of Ilm al-Tafsir. Are we all together? Let me rub this off. So we have his definition here where he said it means Ilm al-Tafsir. No. Ulum al-Quran is the science in which you research the situation pertaining to the Qur'an, Ulum al-Qur'an. Ilm al-Tasir falls under Ulum al-Qur'an. Ulum al-Qur'an is more broader. I mentioned it before. Ulum al-Qur'an is divided into three. Ma yata'allaqu bilafzihi. And we said from here, comes out two, which is a tajweed. And al-qira'at. Uh, 
يتعلق بالمعنى I'll explain this inshallah ta'ala and this is التفسير and الوقف والابتداء and ما يتعلق بشكله and this is علم الرسم عن علم عد الآية and each one I can suggest a book to study it this is منظومة الجزرية منظومة الجزرية this is حرز الأماني this one I would say the مقدمة في أصول التفسير في أصول التفسير الوقف والتبداء I still don't know a book for it this one I'll say عقيلة التراب القصائد and this one I will say ناظمة الزهر these are the books I'm suggesting by the way study those. I want you to understand here now. I don't want to confuse you. Just writing too many things. علوم القرآن in it is علم التفسير. This definition is for علوم القرآن. And علوم القرآن it deals with the situation pertaining to the Quran. Let me break these three down for you guys. علوم القرآن is one of three ما يتعلق بلفظه you're learning things related to the wording of the Quran what are you learning? if you're studying the science of the Quran you're either studying the wording and that's what you're focusing on تجويد and قراءات تجويد or Al-Qira'at The best book for Tajweed is Manzumat Al-Jazariya and Al-Qira'at is Hirz Al-Amani Wa Wajud Tani by Al-Imam Al-Shatib Rahimahullah The second is that which is connected to its meaning You're learning the meaning of the Quran Here you learn Tafsir or Al-Waqf Wal-Ibtida Al-Waqf Wal-Ibtida, what does it mean? It means where do you stop in the Quran when you're reading and where do you start from? Remember to know where to stop and to know where to carry on from you have to know the meaning of the Quran. You can't just stop wherever you want in the Quran when you're reading it. Why? Because you can stop somewhere. For example, if somebody says um, Allahu Akbar. Is that correct? A'udhu Billah. Fawailu lil musalleen. Woe be to those who pray. And you done ruku'ah. And you finished. And this is the second rak'ah from Maghrib. Everybody finished the salah and says to you, Woe 
be to those who pray. And you didn't mention the ayah after it. You have to. You're not allowed to stop here. But who would know that they have to carry on here? One of those, the meaning. Are we all together, brothers? So the waqf al is where you stop and where you can carry on from. Are we all together? Ilm al-rasm. Sorry, ma yata'allaku bi shaklihi. Here you're learning. When we say bilafdi here, we meant the pronunciation. When we said ma'alahu, we meant the meaning. Bishaklihi means the way it's written. And there's two sciences that focus on this. Ilm al-rasm. The rasm al-mushaf. Why do they write Ar-Rahman like this? Why Ar-Rahman like that? When there's really an alif on, on the meme. Why, why? I don't know if you guys focus when you're reading the Mus'haf. You actually look at the word. But there's one word in two different surahs. They're written differently. There's a science behind this. It's called Ilm al-Ras. Are we all together about this? The book you're going to read in this is Aqilat Atrab al Qasaid. The third one is, second, second one is, Ilmu Adil Ayy. Ilmu Adil Ayy means the numbering of the ayat. It's another science. Where does Surah Al Fatiha, what does it have? How many ayahs? Seven. Where are these seven? If you take the best man out. If the Bismillah man al-Rahim is not an ayah for you. The scholars, they differ. Are we all together? And where is the, the seventh ayah come out from? It's a science, by the way. It's a what? It's a science. He then pay attention. This definition of Jalaluddin al-Suyuti is a definition of ulum al-Quran. He did not define, he did not what? He did not define a tafsir. Because tafsir is specifically inside where? Ulum uh, al-Quran. I hope that makes it clear. So his definition is as a science that researches situations. The situation here, by the way, he means is ما يتعلق بلفظه ما يتعلق بمعناه and ما يتعلق بشكله. It's these three. Al-Kitab al-Aziz And even when we go into the book This book that we're studying right now We're going to be touching on nearly everything here right now We're going to talk about Tajweed in this book Qira'at Tafsir Al-Waqf wal-Ibtida Al-Murrasr Al-Mu'addil Ayyid All of it is going to come up So this book, what should it be called? What science should it be? علوم القرآن يشرب به علم التفسير لأن علم التفسير which is also known as أصول التفسير is specific to how do you do تفسير of the Quran how do you comment on the Quran principles of how to comment on the Quran I'll give you the correct definition but you all understand Let me give you the correct definition, inshaAllah ta'ala.
بس كشف معاني القران الكريم هذا هو That's the meaning of علم التفسير is to be clear the meaning of the Quran. Are we all together? And if we push it towards usul tafsir, then we will say qawa'idun yuta'arrafu fiha principles where you will learn in what? about the meaning in the Quran. Now, has everyone understood this so far? Are we all on the same page? So we know the author of the book is who? Who is the author of the book? Yeah? Jalaluddin al-Suyuti. His name is Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr. Suyuti, His name is Abdul Rahman. His father's name is Abu Bakr. His nickname is Jalaluddin. His kunya is Abu Al-Fadl. His kunya is what? His kunya is Abu Al-Fadl. And he died the year 911. Then we said, this book, where is it taken from? This is taken from a big book called An-Nuqaya. How many sciences does the Nuqaya have in it? 14. 12 of it was written when he was how old? 26 years of age. The two extra, which is Ilm al-Tib and Ilm al-Tashrih, he added it when? When he was 40. He came back to the book and he added onto it. By the way, he, he himself explained these 14 sciences. He has explanation on it. He, he does. Okay. Now, we've taken the definition of ilm and tafsir and together. Correct? We also corrected the author and the meaning he gave. The author in this book, Suyuti, he mentions 55 types of ulum al-Qur'an. He based it like that. Who, who, who heard what I just said? How much? 55 types. In his kitab al-Itqan, it's 80 types. He has 55. Smaller. I have a breakdown of the whole entire book, just to make it easy for you guys. I broke it down. You guys want to know about it? The whole breakdown of the whole entire book? He broke the book into six chapters. So the kitab that we're going to do, he broke the, the book into how many chapters? Six chapters. The first chapter, is Mayarjiru Mayarjiru ila al-nuzul 
nuzul means that which goes back to the descending of the Quran. So in the first chapter, he's going to talk about that which goes back to the descending of the Quran. So in there, he's going to discuss 12 subheadings. Al-Makki, Wal-Madani, Al-Layli, Wal-Nahari, Al-Sayfi, Wal-Shita'i, Al-Firashi, Asbab Al-Nuzul, Awwal Ma Nazal, Akhir Ma Nazal, Tawf. Am I making sense? So count with me. In this is how many? How many? Twelve. The second chapter, He talks about, talks about مَا يَرْجِعُ إِلَى السَّلَدِ This is the whole book by the way. In there he mentions six chapters. He talks about that which goes back to the chain. Goes back to the chain. The chain, السَّلَدِ Don't worry. Just write the translation. And remember, we're going to go through each and every one of them. So this is what goes back to the descending of the Qur'an. And this one is what goes back to the chain of the Qur'an. Here we're going to learn Al-Mutawatir, Al-Ahad, Al-Shad, Qira'atul Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al-Ruwat and Al-Khufar, these six. The third is, the brothers were sitting here, how can you guys see? Can you see the board? It's very hard. The third is ما يرجع إلى الأداء. That which goes back to the way to articulate the Quran. Here is going to speak about الوقف والابتداء. He's going to talk about الإمالة. المد تخفيف الهمزة الإدغام we're going to talk about it so six points we're going to talk about here the fourth chapter and I remember I told you there's actually six main chapters ما يرجع إلى الألفاظ and here he talks about Seven. Here we're going to talk about al-gharib, that which goes back, that which goes back to the wordings. Al-gharib, al-mu'arrab, al-majaz, al-mushtarak, al-mutaradif, al-isti'ara, al-tashbih. We'll take this all in details. Don't worry. I just want you to have an overview of the book. That which goes back to the wording. We have seven over here. Number. Four. Five is ma yarjiu ilal ilal maani al mutaalika bil ahkam. And in here, he talks about fourteen. 
meanings that go back to the ruling, jurisprudent rulings. And the sixth, which is the last chapter, we're going to study. ما يرجع إلى المعاني المتعلقة بالألفاظ. And here we're going to take six meanings that go back to wordings. This is meanings that go back to rulings, and these are meanings that go back to wordings. I'll explain that when we come to it, inshallah ta'ala. Here we'll talk about al-fasl, al-wasl, al-ijaz, al-itnab, al-musawat, al-qasr. Six chapters. Then what he did was he made a khatima. A conclusion. In this conclusion, he mentioned anwa'ukhar mutafariqa. Mutafariqa, sorry. Four extra that he couldn't find a header, a chapter he can put it under. And there are four. It's Al Asma, names that are found in the Quran and Al Kuna, nicknames, uh, Kunyas that are found in the Quran, Al Alqab, nicknames, and Al Mubhamat. Mubhamat are a man. Let's mention it. وَجَاءَ رَجُّلٌ مِنْ أَقْسَى الْمَدِينَةِ رَجُّلٌ A man. Who is that man? We don't know. Al-Qab. Nickname. Someone's nickname is mentioned. Kuna. Someone's kunya is mentioned in the Quran. And the names that are mentioned in the Quran. These four, he mentions them at the ending. If you look at all of those types, 12 plus 6 plus 6 plus 7 plus 14 plus 6, Plus four makes fifty-five. Those are the fifty-five types that this book has in it. But before all of that, today, inshallah ta'ala, I want us to go through the introduction. He, he, the introduction that the author mentioned, we're going to go through. I don't know how much I can stress on how important it is that you study this. This is the Quran that you're reading. It's your book. You have to understand this book. This is science is related to the Quran. Wallahi, by Allah I swear, if you study this, and you understand it, you will appreciate the Quran greatly. The scholars they said, The honor of something is always in accordance to what you're learning. Are we all together, brothers? Who are we learning? In this particular class, what are we learning about? We're learning about the speech of Allah, the Qur'an. It's more honorable than anything on the face of this earth. So this subject today that we're studying 
is the most honorable science. Are we all together? Because it's which book we're talking about? The Quran. I am not going to say to you, it's going to be a walk in the park. I am not going to lie to you. There's going to be things that you need to think, to ponder, you have to ask, repeat repetition. But because something became hard, it's not a reason to run away. Just because you didn't understand it, don't run away from it and say, this is maybe not for me. Repetition. Repetition. Doing it again. Doing it again. Will finally allow you to understand it. Are you with me? I urge you all brothers, today we're going to start this. Come. It's tough. Are you with me? It's not easy for you guys and make dua that Allah makes it easy for me to explain it. I'm as tired as you guys. Are we all together brothers? I only slept for one hour. And the only, reason, the only thing I was doing was I was trying to summarize the entire book for you guys. So it's easy to just take it. It's very hard to summarize something. Very hard. It's time consuming. Take a whole book that an author was writing for a long, long time and say, look, I need to explain this book. Bullet points. Imagine this is the whole entire book. I promise you there's nothing outside the book. This is all of it. He mentioned at the beginning, it's 55. This took me right now to just bring this together. Three, four hours. Find the exact chaptering and organizing this. Am I making sense? So please, 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 please. Try your hardest to understand. And if you don't, I'm here to answer it for you. Explain it to you. Maybe that example wasn't clear. I'll give you another example. So you understand it. I don't think there's any reason for any one of you guys to say, it's too hard for me. And there's, a there's an example the scholars bring. They say that the rock, water pierced through it. Fine. Water pierced through rock. And the reason why it did that is because the water kept dropping on that rock for a very long, long time. And what did it do? It actually pierced through it. Water that's very light, a rock that's very hard, it was able to penetrate through it. Even if a science is very hard and it's complicated, push yourself. Maybe not today, all of you. Finally, you'll get through to it. You'll finally get through to it. So what we're going to do is, today we're not going to go into the first chapter, we're going to do the introduction. Okay. The introduction is eight points. Write it down. Can I rub it off? Abu Saleh, can you help me? I'm growing old. So he mentioned an introduction and he mentions eight points in the introduction. I'm going to mention the eight points in the Ilah al-Kareem. 
So the author, rahimahullah, he says in the book, he says, والآيات طائفة من كلمات القرآن متميزة بفصل ثم منه فاضل وهو كلام الله في الله ومفضول وهو كلامه تعالى في غيره وتحرم قراءته بالعجمية وبالمعنى وتفسيره بالرأي لا تأويله This is what the author said رحمه الله المقدمة So the introduction these are the eight points that the author is going to speak about in the introduction. So, Al-Muqaddimah. So, the word Al-Muqaddimah, first, it's Al-Muqaddimah. Bikasri dal So, you put a kasr here. There's two ways of saying it. Muqaddimah and Muqaddimah. Here we mean Muqaddimah, Bikasri dal And the Muqaddimah, is two types generally the muqaddimah is how many types according to the scholars is two types there's something called muqaddimatu al-kitab al-muqaddimatu ilm muqaddimatu ilm okay do you guys know the difference between the two? The difference between the two is the first one is the introduction for the book. The author is just going to explain the book to you and how he plans to do things and what his book is about. That's called Muqaddimatul Kitab. Muqaddimatul Ilmina is what we were doing last year. It's the introduction to the science in general. And it's what the scholars refer to as Mabadi al Ashara. Inna Mabadi Akulla Fanin Ashara. Al Haddu al Modu Rutumma Tamra. Wanisbatun Wanabal Fadru. Wanisbatun Wanisbatun Wadi. Wanismunistim Dadu Fukmashari. Masail Masailun Masailun Bilbadik Tafa. Wandar al Jamia has a Sharaha. Basically, the introduction to the science, an overview to the science. So the first one is an introduction to the book. How do I plan to write the book? How many chapters are in the book? What is my book about? Definitions of keywords here and there that I'm going to be using. That's Muqaddimatul Kitab. Muqaddimatul Ilmi means an introduction to the science in general. And this is what we were doing all last year. Last year was a Muqaddimah. It's an introduction. Are we going to be doing that now? And we wrote the word Muqaddimah? No. No. Does everyone understand? This is what he now mentions. So we mean, when we say Muqaddimah, which one do you mean? Muqaddimatul Kitab. The author mentions eight things here now in the Muqaddimatul Kitab. He mentions how many things? He mentions eight things. First, Ta'rif al-Qur'an. 
It's what I read right now, what I just recited right now. The author, rahimahullah, mentions it. Ta'rifu al-Qur'an. Ta'rifu al-Surah. What does a surah mean? Ta'rif al-Ayah. Tafadul al-Qur'an. Number four, five. Qiraatul Qur'an. Tarjamatul Qur'an. These are the eight things that the author speaks about. The first one is definition of the Qur'an. What's the, what does the word Qur'an mean? We haven't, we haven't defined Qur'an. He's going to define Qur'an for you. What does Qur'an mean? Second one is definition of sunnah. What the sun, sorry, definition of surah. What does surah mean? Third one is Ta'rifu al-ayah. What does an ayah mean? The definition of a ayah. Number four, tafadul al-Qur'an. Does the Qur'an have part of it better than another part? Is there virtue of the Qur'an between itself? They all came from Allah Azza wa Jal. Ayatul Kursi of Surah Al-Fatiha. How do they have virtue? Or is there even virtue of the Quran? We'll talk about that. Number five, Qiraatul Qur'an bil Ajamiya. Can you read the Quran in a foreign language? Can you read the Quran in Urdu? Can you read the Quran in English? We'll talk about that. Tarjamatul Quran. Commentary on the Quran in another language. Number six, the tarjama, translation, sorry, translation of the Quran. We'll come, it's not commenting by the way, it's a translation. Number seven, qira'atul Quran bil ma'na. Can you read the Quran based on meaning? You forgot the ayah? You know the meaning. Can I read it based on the meaning? Or it has to be verbatim, word for word. Number eight. Tafsir al-Quran. Commenting on the Quran. What can and you can't do. These are the eight things that he did as a muqaddimatul kitab. We're going to do all of that today. Inshallah ta'ala. In the next hour. Are we all together? We'll finish all of those eight points. So the first one is 
What's the first one? Tarif al-Sunnah. What time does this class have to finish? Eight o'clock. We can do it in half an hour, inshallah. Don't worry. Some of you guys, when I said one hour, was like... Okay. The author, rahimahullah, he defined the Qur'an as to mean. By the way, the author has an explanation on the book. He explained the book. So sometimes what he did was, he would add things into the... He would add things into uh, the method. Because he's, he's the author and he's the one who's explaining it. So if you missed a word, he'll just mention it in the explanation. So to be fair with the author, if we want to correct him on something that he did wrong, we'll have to look at his explanation. So I read the explanation. And whatever I feel like he's completed it, I will let go of correcting him. And if he didn't, we will hold Jalaluddin al-Suyuti account for what he says. Abu Salih, can you the board? He defined the Qur'an to mean four points. Four points. These are the four points that he defined the Qur'an. Number one, he said it is He said, it's kalamun munazzalu ala muhammadin. So he said it is, the definition he gave is kalamun munazzalun ala, ala muhammadin. So, sorry, al-kalamun. Al-kalamun al-munazzalu. So, ala muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ijazim surati minhu. للإعجاز بالصورة منه. so الكلام and it's المنزل. okay okay four points four points that we can take from this. this is his definition of القرآن. number one أنه كلام that is a speech. number one that's his first point. أنه منزل على محمد That he came down on Nabi Muhammad. Okay. And the third is للعجاز And this is Number three. How much did I say? I'll mention the fourth one, wait. Just four, but I'll add the fourth one in there. He mentions in his Sharah a fourth point, which is, it should be here by the way. So Suyuti Rahimahullah mentions that the definition, so number four, uh, number four, al-kalam, 
When he says Al-Kalamu, whose speech is it? He should have said Kalamullahi. So he left it uh, without attributing it to Lafzul Jalala, to Allah Azza Even though, though he can say Suyuti, I put the Alif Al-Lam, which makes it definite. But even then, the Alif Al-Lam is used for many other reasons. It can be Mu'arraf, it can be Ahdiya, it can be whatnot. The point is, he should have said Kalamullah, speech of Allah Azza The second point he brought is, it came down on who? Because Torah, is it, is it the speech of Allah? Yes. Injil is the speech of Allah? Yes. But then was it sent down on Muhammad? Was Torah and Injil sent on Nabi Muhammad? So when you say Allah Muhammadin, Torah and Injil, they get out. لِلْإِعْجَازِ بِسُورَةٍ مِّنْهُ he said, Suyuti, it came down with Al-Munazzal. Or Muhammad, it came down with Muhammad, Lil-I'jazi bi-suratim minhu. And the reason why the Quran came down is to challenge the people with one surah, the smallest surah, three verses. Are we all together? That's the third one he mentioned. Let's stop here for a bit. We have a waqfa. Stand. Number one. The word he uses is called i'jaz. The word here is used is what? Al-i'jaz. This term al-i'jaz which also some people use it as what? Mu'jiza. Comes from the word ajaza. Are we all together, brothers? It comes from the word? The word ajaza. And the word ajaza in the Arabic language it has two meanings only in the Arabic language. The first one is for weakness. So and so became weak from doing something. That's the first meaning. Are we, are we together? And the second one is The ending of something. The author doesn't mean the second meaning. That's used in the Arabic language. He's using it as what? Weak. Meaning when the Qur'an came, it weakened them from being able to come with its like. Are we all together? So you all understand what the word mu'jiza means, right? I mean i'jaz. You all understand? The word i'jaz, in English we use it as the word miracle, correct? I'jaz in the Arabic language has two usages. Abba'fu, weakness. The Arabs use it as like that. And the second one is mu'akharu shay, the ending of something. They use the word ajz there as well. 
And the author here means what? What does he mean here? He means a ba'af, weakness. That's what he means. And that's why Allah used it in the Quran. Nu'jiza here means do you think Allah Taala is unable? Allah says in another ayah, and in other words, in other words, it's weakness. Allah is not weak. Good. This term, Al-I'jaz, was not coined by Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. It wasn't a term used by Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. The word Mu'jiza was a term coined by the Mu'tazila, deviating group. And from them, the Ashairah took it. And the author here is a what? Ash'ariyun fil Aqeedah. So the author is a what? He's Ash'ari in his Aqeedah. So he's using the term. To them, Mu'jiza means it's something that's outside the norms. Outside the norms. Okay. You've been challenged to come with its likes. This is what the word mu'jiza means. So it's outside the norms. And it's also something you've been challenged. So according to that definition of mu'jiza, the other things that the Prophet came with is not a mu'jiza to them, like the water gushing from the Prophet's hand. Because the people were not challenged to come with the likes of this, were they? Am I making sense? Yes, no? Hmm? Their definition of the word mu'jiza means, number one, it has to be lil adam. It's something that's outside the norms. Good. Number two. It also has to be something that the people are being challenged to come with its likes. So in other words, when it's outside the norms, you're also told to come with its likes. That can stand for the Quran. But what about the other miracles that the Prophet came with? Those miracles, the people were not challenged to come with its likes. They weren't. Am I making sense? The water to gush from the Prophet's hand, the Prophet didn't say, hey, come with something like this. But this is, should be a mu'jizah. Are we all together? And I don't want to go to, into why that is the case with their definition of mu'jizah, because we weren't able to go through it. Ahlul Sunnah used the word dala'il and nubuwa. Dala'il nubuwa is the terms that Ahlul Sunnah used. Dala'il nubuwa means what? The evidence of the Prophet's prophecy. And we're all together. Also, He's saying, Suyut is saying that the Quran came down to challenge the people. That's not why it came down. The Quran did not come down. 
The Quran came down for two reasons. Two main reasons. Or three main reasons. The first of them is it came down as to prove the Prophet prophecy. The Quran came down to show the Prophet's prophecy. And there's a difference between that and challenging someone. Number two, it came down as guidance to guide the people from the darknesses and to bring them into the light. And the third one is for the Quran to cure them. You can emerge the curing into what? Into the guidance, if you wish. And you can make it a separate entity. Mainly those two reasons. To prove the process and prophecy. And the second one is what? To guide the people. That's what Allah said. In the Quran, Yahdi lillati hiya aqwam. Are we all together? And we all know the famous hadith when the angels come to the grave and they ask you about the prophets and then the believer answers the question the angel will say to the believer how did you know that he was a prophet of Allah? and he will say قَرَأْتُ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ I read the Quran how did you know he was a prophet? I read the Quran so the Quran is an evidence a proof for the prophet's prophecy are we all together? So the Quran didn't come down to Ijaz. Another question. Bisuratin minhu. The author says it came down to challenge them based on a surah. And he even mentions it here, the author rahimahullah, that the surah is how many ayah? We'll come to that later. But he said surah is the challenge of the Quran based on a surah? Is that the challenge? Let's listen to it. Allah challenged them at the beginning. In one place, Allah challenged them in how many? Fatu bi suratin mithl. Come with Fatu bi suratin min mithlihi. In another surah to Hud, Allah says Fatu bi suratin mithlihi. Not min mithlihi, mithlihi. In another place, Allah Taala says Fatu bi ashri suwari mithlihi. Ten. In another place, Allah says, فَلْيَأْتُوا بِحَدِيثٍ فَلْيَأْتُوا فَلْيَأْتُوا بِحَدِيثٍ مِثْلِهِ إِنْ كَانُوا صَادِقِينَ The word, فَلْيَأْتُوا بِحَدِيثٍ Hadith can be less than a surah. Hadith can be less than what? Surah. فَلْيَأْتُوا بِحَدِيثٍ can be less than a surah. It can be an ayah. It can even be half of an ayah. Are we all together? Yes or no? So the challenge of the Qur'an is not a surah. It can be less than a surah. It can be an ayah. It can even be half an ayah. It's a very strong opinion. The last point that the author rahimahullah mentions is Al-Muta'abbadu bi tilawati 
What does he mean al-muta'abbadu bitilawati? The reason why they mention al-muta'abbadu bitilawati is that we worship Allah based on recitings. Al-muta'abbad means we worship Allah by reciting it. Meaning you get rewarded for every letter you read. Every letter you read, what do you get from it? You get a reward for it. You worship Allah based on it. Also another meaning, al-muta'abbad bitilawati means, another view, it means the verses that we were told to follow Allah in and not the abrogated verses. So they, this wants to take the abrogated verses out of the picture because we don't worship Allah with those verses. They've been abrogated. Like in that's again a mistake. Because the hayat which are abrogated, are they not Quran? Are they not Quran? Yes, they are Quran. You still have to read it. Next point. What was the next point that the author Rahimullah said he's going to talk about? So, the, by the way, what's the best definition for the Quran then? The following, the best definition. Kalamullah al Munazzalu ala Muhammadin. Kalamullah. Kalamullah al Munazzalu. Ala Muhammadin. Ayah Ala Sidqi Nubuwati. So it's Khalamullah al Munazalu Ala Muhammadin. It is the speech of Allah. That it was sent on Nabi Muhammad Ayatan, a sign Ala a sign for his what? For his creation. Good. Next point. What was the eighth? What's the second point from, from the eighth? Surah. What did the author say the surah is? الطائفه المترجمه توقيفا واقلها ثلاث ايات The definition he mentions suyuti is two points The definition of suyuti for the meaning of surah is how many Yeah Yeah if you can Don't worry I'm up now So Suyuti Rahimahullah, his definition, it encompasses two points. Annaha Ta'ifa Did he say Annaha Ta'ifa to Minal Quran? He said, huh? Annaha Ta'ifa to Minal Quran. And point number two that he mentions is what? What did he say? 
توقيفا What does he mean by this? Number point number one. It's a portion of the Quran. The surah is a what? It's the portion of the Quran. Okay, number one. That's the first point. It's a portion of the Quran. And point number two is he said Al Mutarjamati to Al Mutarjamati Tawqifan. I didn't write Al Mutarjam. What does it mean, Al-Mutarjamati Tawqifan? Meaning, the naming of the Surah was given divinely. Divinely named. Okay? And this is disputed amongst the scholars. Who gave the names to the Surahs? Okay? Who pointed the names for the what? For the Surah. The opinion of teams the strongest is some of the surahs were named by the Prophet وسلم, like Surah Al Baqarah and Surah Al Imran. We know the Prophet named it because he said it. He said, Iqra'u Al Baqarah wa Surah Al Imran. They will come the day of judgment as an intercessor. So the Prophet called it those names. Are we all together? But we also have the companions naming surahs as well. Like for example, Surah Al-Hashr. Abdullah ibn Abbas, what name did he give it? He called it Surah Surah Bani Nadir. There were three tribes in Medina. There were how many tribes in Medina? Three. Banu Nadir, Banu Qaynuqa' Banu Quraidha One of the tribes that the Prophet fought was Banu Nadir in Medina The Surah talks about them Also Ibn Abbas he called Surah Tawbah he called it Surah Al-Fadiha the Exposer the Exposer he called it Surah Tawbah. Why? Because it exposed the reality of the hypocrites. Are we all together? So if the name calling of the Surah is Tawqifi, meaning the Prophet said it and no one else can give it a name, Ibn Abbas will not come and give it another name. Are we all together? He would have said this is not open for anyone. But the fact that he was giving it names shows what? It's not... Tawqifi. So it's not as the author, rahimahullah, as he said, rahimahullah ta'ala. And then he said something, he said, the shortest surah is what? He said it is what? Thalatu ayatin. He said how much? Waqalluha thalatu ayatin. The bare minimum is how much? Three verses. Like Surah 
like Surah Al-Kawthar. وَهَذَا عَلَى مَذْهَبِ مَنْ لَمْ يُعَدِّ الْبَسْمَلَةِ And that is according to the view of those who do not count the basmala as the ayah. Am I making sense? That is according to the madhab of those who do not count the Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim as an ayah. There's a madhab that believes all of the basmala in the Quran is an ayah. There's one basmala they all unanimously agree upon that it's an ayah from the Quran. And that's the basmala in Surah Al-Naml. إِنَّهُ مِنْ سُلَيْمَانَ وَإِنَّهُ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ أَلَّا تَعْلُوا عَلَيَّ وَأَتُونِي مُسْلِمِينَ They all unanimously agree upon that that basmala it's an ayah from the Quran. But the ones that start with the beginning of every surah is different upon. So if you're of the opinion that the Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is ayah for every surah then the shortest surah for you is going to be how much? Four. And if you're of the opinion that the basmala is not an ayah for every surah, then the shortest is going to be for you how much? Three. Third point. Third point. The definition of a ayah. The author now, what does he do? He defines an ayah. The definition he gives is, it's in your notes. He says, طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْ كَلِمَاتِ الْقُرْآنِ مُتَمَيِّزَةٌ بِفَصْلٍ So Suyuti's definition, it has, again, two, two points. When he defined a ayah, it's مُرَكَّبَةٌ مِّنْ كَلِمَاتِ Point number one, in his definition, is that the ayah is compounded of words. Point number one. And the second one is, And the second point is mutamayizah bifasl. It's distinguished with a fasl. The fasl is the numbering of the ayat. Ayat. It's distinguished from one verse to the other with a fasl. Okay. It would have been better if he gave this definition which is the best definition of the word ayah, is jumlatu min as-surah. It's a portion of the surah. Al-Qur'aniyyah. Thatu mabda'in wa maqta'in. Again, the first part is, all, is not too serious. We all agree. The part that I, we want to correct him here is the word bifasr he used. And we use, instead of bifasr, we use the word maqta'. He used the word fasr, we use the word maqtah. What is the difference between the two? And this is the last point that I'm going to mention, inshallah ta'ala, is the word maqtah 
is the last word and al-fasr is the last harf so if you read alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen what's the last word for the ayah yeah What's the last alamin, right? Ah, that's maqta. At the ending of the last word. And the other one is what? According to him is fasl. Fasl means what? The last letter. What's the last letter? In Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Yeah? Noon. It's better to use maqta because you look at it as the last wording finishes. Not the last letter. Because the letter doesn't stand by itself. Are we all together? Am I making, did I make sense on that point? I'll conclude there inshaAllah. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me as shaitan and Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka wa atubu alayhi.